Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to They Walk Among Us a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. This is the 11th in a series of short bonus episodes. To keep up to date with news on the podcast, you can find us on social media through Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. For ad-free versions of our episodes which are posted a few days before their general release, visit patreon.com forward slash they walk among us. This episode contains distressing themes and descriptions of violence. This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener caution is advised. The crime was compared to single white female. The 1992 film where a young woman imitates everything her new flatmate does. What she wears, even how she cuts her hair. Then the obsession turns deadly. Both Anna Augustine and Donna Bailey wanted to further their education and career prospects. Donna, at 24 and Anna, 30, started courses at the Community and Voluntary Education College in Clapham, South London, during the summer of 2002. The two women crossed paths, 
and quickly became close friends. Anna seemed to be the more social of the two, and soon it became clear that she was the only friend that Donna had. Early on in their friendship, they started to see each other every day, either at college or out socially. They lived just five miles apart, Donna in Dorking Close, Deptford, and Anna in Bedford Road, Clapham. The two women seemed to have a lot in common and had the same tastes and interests. However, something was not right. Anna's tastes appeared to be copied, not shared, by her younger friend. It may have been flattering for a while, as Donna imitated everything Anna did, but soon it became irritating. Donna was now lying in her attempts to mimic Anna. Less than six months into their intense friendship, Donna told a lie that Anna could not ignore. Anna Augustine announced she was pregnant and was excited about the prospect of having a baby. Predictably, Donna had the same news. She too was expecting a baby with her living partner, Nigel Henry. Anna could not help but question Donna, asking the date when the baby was due. Maybe caught off guard, Donna responded that she did not know without checking her diary. Surprised and maybe a bit agitated, Anna commented on Donna having to check for the due date. Anna's happiness of the impending birth was suddenly shattered when she miscarried. Devastated, she confided to her friend and expressed pain and grief at the loss. It was only two days later and Donna claimed to be going through the same painful situation. A row erupted between the women. Anna wanted to end the friendship and called Donna selfish. She wanted nothing more to do with the emotional games that Donna appeared to be playing with her. They were no longer friends, and that should have been it. Left right there, with both parties moving on. But Donna Bailey had become fixated with Anna Augustine. She was angry at being rejected, and her obsession quickly became deadly. She wanted to end Anna's life. Nigel Henry was part of the plan to kill his partner's ex-friend, a scheme he later claimed he only went along with to avoid an out-pregnant Donna's unpredictable wrath. Nigel Henry just so happened to know someone middleman that could perhaps get them in touch with someone else who would do the job. Nigel reached out to a person called Headley, who in turn put the couple in touch with a man named Colton Robinson. Donna and her partner told Robinson that they wanted to kill someone. They gave Robinson a post-it sticker with Anna Augustine's address on it. The murder was to take place at the Spanish Steps pub in Deptford, 
the same area of London where Donna lived with her partner. Robinson named his price. £5,000. Neither Donna nor Nigel had that sort of money. Robinson told them to get back in touch with him once they did. Carlton Robinson was on bail, and as luck would have it, he was stopped by the police the next day. He had been arrested because Robinson had breached his bail conditions in another incident. The police were unaware of the murder-for-hire plot he was involved in the night before, though they soon would be. Carlton Robinson told them about the conversation he had with Donna Bailey and Nigel Henry, and what they wanted him to do. Robinson hoped that if he exposed the plan, the police would cut him some slack for breaching his bail. And they did. The wheels of the investigation began to turn, and Robinson was asked to complete a witness statement. An undercover police officer was assigned to the case and he was introduced to Carlton Robinson. Robinson was told to arrange a second meeting with Donna Bailey and Nigel Henry so they could discuss the murder plot. However, this time Robinson would be accompanied by an undercover officer he only knew as George. A week later, on March 31st, 2003, the two men visited the couple on Dorking Close. Robinson and George wore concealed devices which recorded what was said in the flat. George's presence was explained away. Donna and Nigel were told he was a hitman from Birmingham. Surprisingly, Robinson and his companion were told that the hit was now off. Donna and Nigel had changed their mind about hiring a hitman. They could not raise the money. Although they had not changed their mind about killing Anna Augustine, they had just decided to do the job themselves. The couple said afterwards they planned to dump Anna's body outside of London. There was enough verbal evidence on the recording to show Donna Bailey and Nigel Henry intended to carry out a murder. They were arrested and their home was searched. Incriminating and disturbing evidence was found. A variety of items were bundled together in what appeared to be a murder kit. A bag containing a syringe filled with liquid, a mask, gloves, binoculars a map, handwritten notes and observations about Anna's routine. A machete in a leather pouch was also discovered. When the syringe fluid was tested, it was found to contain a cleaning product commonly used around the home.
At the police station, the couple were full of excuses and were soon turning on each other. Nigel Henry claimed that he was only going along with Donna Bailey's murder plot to pacify her. He didn't think she was serious or that she would go through with it. Henry claimed he threatened to call the police if Donna Bailey did not retract her initial proposal to Carlton Robinson. It soon became apparent the writing on the post-it notes, papers and maps was Nigel Henry's. Though he could not deny that fact, he said it was his partner that had dictated what he should write. Trying to blame her partner, Donna Bailey also said she had a passive role in the plot to kill Anna. She was laying responsibility at the feet of Nigel Henry. Bailey claimed that it was Henry who came up with the murder-for-hire idea when they met Carlton Robinson. This was the first she had heard of it. Bailey said that she had not conceived the idea to kill her ex-friend, and up to that point it had never even crossed her mind. She agreed that Nigel Henry's penmanship was behind the evidence gathered from their home, but she denied that he was writing whatever she instructed him to write. The couple were distancing themselves from each other, the plot, or any wrongdoing. However, the evidence gathered from their property incriminated them both, and the pair were charged. Just before the trial was due to start, concerns were raised for Nigel Henry. He began to act in a, quote, peculiar way. The details of what exactly constituted peculiar behaviour has never been made public. A psychiatric assessment was called for as concerns arose about Henry's fitness to plead. The findings and subsequent reports on the matter would become relevant again at a later date. For the time being, it provided confirmation that Nigel Henry's assessment did not raise any medical issue relevant to criminal liability. Court reports would later say that Henry continued to present in a plausible way. you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This episode of They Walk Among Us is brought to you in association with Centair. Ever entered a seemingly perfect space only to feel like something was missing? That's where Centair comes in. With over three decades of experience, Centair leads the scent marketing industry, scenting resorts, retail outlets, event spaces and more, partnering with major brands like Westin Hotels and Snap Fitness. Chances are you've already encountered their fragrances firsthand. And now Centair is offering you a luxury fragrance experience in the comfort of your home. Visit Centair.com to explore their online store and infuse your spaces with unforgettable scents. Centair diffusers are sleek and fill your space with vivid fragrance for up to 300 hours. And the Centair app lets you schedule your fragrance and control your intensity right from your phone. What's more, all of Centair's more than 60 fragrances are phthalate-free, cruelty-free, safe for families and EcoVad is certified sustainable. Differentiate your space with scent. Try luxury home fragrance trusted by the pros by going to scentair.com and using promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order. That's promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order at scentair.com. The trial started in early November 2003. Donna Bailey and Nigel Henry both pleaded not guilty to soliciting murder and conspiracy to murder. Bailey was now far along into her pregnancy. The court was told of Donna Bailey's obsession with her only friend, Anna Augustine. Jurors heard that Bailey desperately tried to mimic everything Anna did. When Anna miscarried, Bailey said she had to and in fact she was still in the early months of her pregnancy. Anna Augustine was called as a witness. Speaking about the woman who it was being alleged had plotted to kill her, Anna testified. She never went out anywhere and didn't have any friends. Anna said that she reached the end of her tether as their friendship came to a close. Donna Bailey had simply gone too far and lied to her friend about having a miscarriage. 
Anna voiced how she had grown sick of her friend's game-playing and lies. She told me she was pregnant when I said I was pregnant, Anna Augustine told the court. I asked her when the baby was due, and she said she wasn't sure and would have to look in her diary. I said, how come you have to look in your diary to know when your first baby will be born? Mine was due on Christmas Day. There was no sign of her being pregnant. I didn't want her to be a friend of mine anymore. She knew what I had been through losing the baby. I told her off and said she was selfish. I didn't want her around me. She was playing games and lying all the time. I couldn't keep up with all her lies. Sticking to her story of being a bystander in a murder plot, Donna Bailey still claimed that the thought of killing her friend Anna had never crossed her mind until she met Carlton Robinson, a man who initially asked for £5,000 to do the job. According to Donna Bailey, it was Nigel Henry who proposed carrying out the murder plot. When Robinson came back a week later to talk over the finer details with supposed hitman George, unbeknownst to the couple an undercover officer, Donna Bailey insisted that she was just lying about wanting to murder someone so as to make the men leave. Coincidentally, Nigel Henry's defence counsel also claimed that his client was saying anything he could to Carlton Robinson and his associate George to try and get them out of the house, including the suggestion that the couple were going to do the job themselves. Henry said he was not really going to kill Anna Augustine and never intended to do her any harm. It was also submitted Nigel Henry was the weaker of the two, a sentiment the prosecution agreed with. Bailey was fixated on Anna Augustine. Henry's counsel described his client as someone who was basically a puppet doing what his, quote, pregnant hormonal domineering partner asked of him. A psychological report produced on the mental state of Nigel Henry was not submitted as evidence. It was proposed by the Crown that during their first meeting, Bailey and Henry gave Robinson numerous post-it notes, penned by Henry, which contained personal information about the person the couple wanted to kill. As fate would have it, Robinson was picked up on another charge the next day. Among the notes that he had received from the couple was Anna Augustine's address. This was later handed to the police. It was thought that Bailey and Henry only chose not to use Robinson's services because he quoted £5,000 to kill someone, a sum they could not raise. When Robinson arrived with George, the couple said they were doing it themselves. It appeared they had not changed their minds about murdering Anna Augustine. In fact, when their home was searched, the evidence overwhelmingly supported the theory that they intended to carry out their plan. With a murder kit, map and endless notes, the prospect of an acquittal by the jury looks unlikely. 
neither the back and forth blaming each other nor the sight of a heavily pregnant Donna Bailey swayed the jury. Along with Nigel Henry, she was found guilty of soliciting murder and conspiracy to murder. They were remanded in custody until sentencing. On Friday, January 16th, 2004, the pair was sentenced at the Old Bailey by Judge Brian Barker, QC. He told Donna Bailey, This is an extraordinary and bizarre story. From being a close friend, you turned her into an object of hate. You are an obsessed, selfish woman driven apparently by jealousy of Miss Augustine. You did not properly deal with reality and lie easily, but you take real steps to act out your obsession which makes you a danger. Donna Bailey was sentenced to six years in prison. The terms for each conviction were to be served concurrently. Nigel Henry was given a lesser sentence of four years. Detective Superintendent Chris Buckle, part of the Homicide Task Force who worked on the case, released a statement. He said, I would like to pay tribute to Miss Augustine for her bravery throughout this investigation. I am grateful to the person who brought this crime to the attention of the police. I am pleased that these two dangerous individuals have been taken off the streets of London and hope their convictions today enable Miss Augustine to move on with her life. So where are we now? Nigel Henry's conviction was appealed. He would get the chance to argue his case before Lord Justice Maurice Kay, Mr Justice Silber, and the Recorder of Birmingham sitting as a judge of the Court of Appeal. Counsel for the appellant Godfrey Carey QC did not see any issue with the approach taken by the trial judge, nor with the summing up of the case. During the trial, Carey had not questioned his client's cognitive skills or intelligence as a factor relevant to criminal liability. A psychiatric assessment before the proceedings did not highlight any reason why the trial could not proceed. However, following the verdict, Nigel Henry was examined by a psychologist, Dr Lowenstein. The results of which were to be presented during mitigation but now they became the foundation for Nigel Henry's appeal. When leave was granted, at the behest of the Crown Prosecution Service, forensic psychologist Professor Gilviga Jonathan was also instructed to compile a more extensive report on the appellant. The findings of the two reports were consistent in their outcome. Both psychologists believed Nigel Henry's IQ to be low. 
Dr. Lowenstein estimated Henry's mental age to be approximately that of a child of 12. As well as having significantly below average intelligence, Henry was found to have issues with impulse control and neurotic traits. Quote, Mr. Henry falls into the category of just being above the mentally defective area, or what is commonly termed borderline defective area of intellectual ability. Mr. Henry is a strange man, with a Walter Mitty type of attitude to viewing himself as a clever individual capable of carrying out a crime of a very serious nature, and yet not having the mental capacity to see matters through logically and reasonably. It is unfortunate for him that he has a bearing of an intellectual, but the capacity of someone of virtually mentally defective ability. While this does not excuse his offences, it does or could provide mitigation. Dr. Lowenstein believed Henry was easily imposed upon and masked his intellectual abilities within part of an extrovert personality. Lowenstein said, Mr. Henry is a fairly disturbed individual who gives an impression of his intellectual capabilities which is totally wrong. He has a tendency to fail to see the significance of acting by himself leading him into difficulties. In his findings, Professor Gajonison concluded that Nigel Henry was in the bottom 3% of the country in regards to intellect, and he was borderline in the range of learning disability. Gajonison found no evidence of mental illness either in the past or at the time of the assessment. The professor said that Henry, quote, seems to have serious emotional problems, including a high level of anxiety, proneness towards agitation, self-defeating personality structure, dependence needs, and extremely poor self-esteem. Henry appeared to be a psychologically vulnerable individual. The defence argued these reports on Nigel Henry were fresh evidence, not anticipated or realised at the time of the trial. If they were available, it could have been instrumental in raising arguments on the issue of intention. Godfrey Carey QC insisted as the jury did not have the benefit of this evidence when making their decision, the conviction was unsafe. Mr. Edward Brown arguing for the Crown, a claim that on the issue of intention, the evidence of the psychologist did not affect the safety of the conviction. After the arguments were reviewed, the appeal judges would cite previous case law surrounding the admission of expert opinion and how it has followed in subsequent cases. Their verdict read, An expert's opinion is admissible to furnish the court with scientific information, which is likely to be outside the experience and knowledge of a judge or jury. If on the proven facts a judge or jury can form their own conclusions without help, then the opinion of an expert is unnecessary.
Although Nigel Henry's IQ was low, the judges did not believe it was low enough. Below 69 was seen as significant, and while they recognised that the number could be criticised as being arbitrary, it did have psychological importance. Henry was 72, within the scale of normality, said the judges. Citing a previous case in which the precedent was set, the judges ruled, This is not a case of mental illness, nor is it a case in which the IQ of the appellant is below that considered by the Lord Chief Justice to be the threshold for admissibility. Whilst it is true that persons with an IQ as low as that of the appellant form a small part of the population at large, sadly they form a somewhat larger part of those charged with criminal offences. An intention that someone should be killed is a visceral matter of no great complexity. For all these reasons, we are satisfied that the convictions of the appellant are not unsafe. Thank you for listening, and a special thanks to everyone who supports us on Patreon. For more information on this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.